Well, good evening. It's so good to see everybody here tonight. And I want to open with just sharing uh, a story with you from uh, college, my college days, my sophomore year. Uh, I went to school out in Texas at Baylor University, and I had the opportunity to bring a friend of mine. Uh, his name also is Brad, so that could be confusing in the story. Okay, If we haven't met, my name's Brad. Nice to meet you guys. And I have a friend in college who's a fraternity brother. His name was Brad Brown. And I invited him to go uh, to North Carolina for spring break. Uh, and I wanted to show him the University of North Carolina. I'm a big University of North Carolina fan. I'm not a fan that they beat uh, Georgia Tech because I wanted Georgia Tech to win. I just want to be clear for the record for all the broken hearts in the room. Tech season is ruined. I realize that. I'm sorry, um, but there's hope in Jesus tonight. I just want to say that <laughs> for all of you, okay? But um, anyway, so I took Brad back to North Carolina, and uh, I wanted to show him the University of North Carolina. It's one of my favorite college campuses in America, and I, I took him to Franklin Street, which is amazing, cool street down there just to see the campus. Took him to the Dean Dome because he loved basketball and he wanted to see the Dean Dome. And then the thing I wanted to show him was uh, the, the center of campus. There is a courtyard on campus. It's called the Pit. It's very familiar uh, for you Georgia State students to the courtyard on your campus. But uh, the difference, or it's kind of the similar in, in many ways, that uh, the Pit is just three feet sunken into the ground, some stairs. It's a big square courtyard. On one side of it is the student center. On the other side of it is the bookstore. On another side is the library. And then on the other side is the uh, history class building, okay? And so it's all surrounded by buildings. And uh, it's just a typical courtyard, but it's always the center of activity on the campus. And uh, usually you can find someone preaching there on any given day, but the day that we showed up there, there was not one, but three, what they call, instead of street preachers, they use the term pit preachers on the campus. And one of them has a sign, and it has a list of all these sins, and no one's standing around him, and he's yelling across the courtyard. Another man is uh, sitting in the middle of the courtyard. He's yelling at everybody, and then there's a guy in the corner of the courtyard, and he has a crowd around him. And so Brad and I are like, what is up with the crowd? Why, how has this guy got a crowd around him? So we hustle over there and uh, we stand there for, you know, like 90 seconds goes by and we pick up on um, what is like going on. And the preacher is yelling at a student who's sitting on the bottom stair of the pit. And he's telling him why he's going to go to hell if he doesn't repent. Okay, and he's like his tongue and everything. He's like, if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. If you don't repent of your sin, you are going to hell. And literally, this is going on constantly, this conversation. And I don't know how the student engaged him. I don't know what's going on. But we can tell the student is like brokenhearted about something. Something he has shared some sin with the preacher, which I don't know how the preacher got the sin out of the student. But somehow he did. The student decided he was going to engage with him in the moment. And all of a sudden, seriously, like 90 seconds goes by, and out of the back of the crowd says, excuse me, sir, and I'm like, oh, no, and it says, excuse me, sir, why don't you stop telling this student what God has not done for him, and why don't you start telling this student what God has done for you, so maybe this student might believe in the goodness in God, of God, and he might start a relationship with Jesus, and it was Brad my friend. And the thing I didn't tell you about Brad is that Brad is a guy that you never 
wanted to get in an argument with because he was going to win every single time. And he wasn't going to win just because he was going to talk louder than you, although he could talk louder than you. He was going to win because he was quick-witted. He was smart. He loved to debate. He uh, played basketball, and he would talk so much trash to his opponents. It was crazy. He would just go the whole game nonstop. I mean, he'd just keep coming with it, coming with it, coming with it. And Brad also had a righteous indignation about him. And when something was wrong, he was going to speak up, and he thought this was really, really wrong. What we didn't realize in the moment was that the crowd that was gathered around the preacher was actually with the preacher. They were all, there was a whole team of them with the preacher. And that was kind of a problem because immediately there was a student standing beside the student that was being yelled at. And he came, made a beeline to the back to Brad. And he started getting Brad away from the crowd because he wanted to try to like calm the situation down because we had disrupted their strategy, their plan, what was going on. And Brad would ha- have none of it. He's like, no, I want to talk to this guy right here. This is, I don't, you're a student. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to the man who's telling the guy he's going to hell. That's what I want to talk about. And it's just going back and forth and quickly things kind of dispersed and settled down and it just kind of shut the whole thing down. And we were so angry. We got back in the car, drove back to Raleigh, North Carolina, about 30 minutes away. And we were just so upset about the situation because we felt like God had been misrepresented in that moment. And you guys, being on the college campuses that you're on, you see these street preachers all the time and you know what it's like to see them. And I don't know about you, but I think in all of us, emotions arise in us. We're bothered by it. We want to take on the street preacher and have a conversation and be like, hey, you want to, you know, can you just talk about the love of God? Can you tell people about the love of Jesus, like what he did? Would that be helpful in the moment? Like, can you just tone it down just a little bit? I know you want to engage them, but, but what happens to us in those moments is we want to distance ourselves so far from the street preacher we want to get away from it. We don't want to be associated with a street preacher in any shape or form. So we begin to distance ourselves because we are fearful that we're going to be associated, that our Christianity is going to be associated with a street preacher. And so we distance ourselves as far away as we possibly can, and we end up over here. And what happens when that happens is that we stop talking about God. See, over here, all you have is truth. You have like tons of truth, and they just talk about truth, 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 and hey, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. If you don't repent, you're going to hell, and that's what you hear, but over here, we want to be like all about grace and love, and we never want to talk about the truth, and actually, I would call, if that's the street preacher over there, this person would be what I call the designated driver. That's what this person is. Y'all know what a designated driver is? Y'all don't know what a designated driver is, do you? Y'all are like into Uber and Lyft and all that kind of stuff. Y'all don't need designated drivers anymore, do you? But, but like back when I was growing up, it was like, you know, it was kind of like the, the cool thing if you were a believer in Jesus that you got nominated to be like the designated driver, like you were in, like if you got to be the designated driver, you know? And, and I think most of us, to not be associated with any type of evangelism or sharing of the gospel with a street preacher, we like to be the designated driver. And we're all about grace and mercy. And we're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm having so much influence. They invited me to the party. And I know like at you know, 2 a.m. when they've had way too many, they're just going to ask me like, hey, what's different about you? Like, you're so cool. You love God, don't you? You know, and this is going to happen at 2 a.m., you know, and they're going to be completely coherent to understand what the gospel is all about at that moment, you know? That's what we think in this moment. 
And see, the problem with the street preacher and the problem with the designated driver is that both methods of sharing the gospel violate the message of the gospel. And reality is, the street preacher is all about truth. But we want to be about grace and mercy. But Jesus was about all of it. Jesus was about truth, and he was about grace, and he was about mercy, and he didn't balance it out and be like, oh, I'm going to give him truth today, and then, oh, tomorrow I'm going to go grace all the way. He's 100% truth, and he's 100% grace all at the same time. So we've been in this series called Atlanta, and the reason we've been in this series called Atlanta, if you're new tonight, we want to, we think this city is incredible. I don't know about you, but I love the city of Atlanta. I love it. Falcons, hello, what's going on right now? Amazing, okay? It's incredible. We love being in the city. There's so much to do in the city. It is one of the greatest cities, not in America, it's one of the greatest cities in the world. But if you want this city to be greater, then we have to tell people in this city about the greatest gift that was ever given for the people of the city, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified on a cross, risen from the dead, defeated the power of sin and death. Why? So that we, all people, could be restored into a, he- a relationship with their heavenly Father, a relationship that they were created for. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about credibility, how you can earn credibility among people so that people will listen to you. And then last week, Trey McKnight was here, and he talked about respect, because you got to have respect if you're going to share the gospel with people, because they're not going to believe you. And tonight, I want us to talk about what it is, what it means for us to actually open our mouths and share the news about the greatest gift that's ever been given. That's what I want for us. And tonight, to begin that, I just want to talk about the difference between a burden and the privilege. A burden versus the privilege. See, when we think about the street preacher and we try to distance ourselves from the street preacher, it becomes a burden for us to communicate the gospel. And you start, you know, you know that moment comes and then you get awkward and weird and you're like, I don't want to be like the street preacher. I don't want to sound, I don't want to say the word repent because that's like the worst word ever. You know, the repent's a great word, by the way. It means turn around, go in a different direction. And if you're in sin, that's a good thing to do, okay? You want to go in a different direction, but we don't, we get awkward when it comes. And so evangelism or sharing the gospel becomes a burden for us. A burden is like homework, okay? A burden is like homework. You know, has you, have you ever met anybody that's like, homework, yes, I love it. I mean, I don't know why I'm at the living room tonight. I can't wait to get home and do homework. I've never met anybody that's like crazy about homework, you know? Privilege is like graduation day, you know? It's like diploma, you know? And then you start talking about all your glory days at college and what you did and how it happened and even the stuff you didn't like, you all of a sudden like because you got the diploma, you know? It was like, it was easy. It's privilege. But tonight, I want us to transition and I want us to get away from burden because the gospel and sharing the news of the greatest gift that's ever been given should never be a burden for us. It shouldn't be a burden. It should be a privilege, and I want us to understand it. And to do that, I want us to look at some scripture, and we want, we want to look at Paul tonight in the, uh, in the letter he wrote to the church at Corinth. And uh, if you don't know about Paul, Paul was uh, this guy that was, uh, he was a hater of Christians. He was a hater of what he called the followers of the way, and he was persecuting them. 
And then all of a sudden, on the road, as he was going to the synagogues in Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus face to face. Jesus risen from the dead, like blinded him with a light and started speaking to him. And all Paul could say, his name was Saul at the time, actually, all he could say in that moment was, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting, okay? And he's basically said in that moment, in the next few days, said, I'm going to show you, Saul, who's going to become Paul, how much you're going to suffer for my name so that the whole world can know the truth about me, which is amazing. And so this is who wrote this letter. We're going to pick up in uh, uh, chapter 2, uh, or cha- no, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 5, um, 16 through 21. Here it is, okay? Uh, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Paul begins in verse 16 and he says, so from now on, let's go back to verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And so, um, and, and I think if we can, Tim, this is supposed to be, the worldly point of view is supposed to be highlighted. And I think it's up there if you keep going. But uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, great. Thank you. And so, uh, isn't that amazing? I just said that and it's highlighted. Isn't that really, really cool? We got this great Tim Fancher. He's one of our best volunteers back there. And he's been a longtime volunteer with us. But that's so cool. Worldly point of view. But this is what we want to talk about here, okay? Worldly point of view. Up until this point, we, you look at people from a worldly point of view. I don't know if you know this or not. But you think about people from a worldly point of view. Because I doubt many of you walked around, even though you were here three weeks ago, um, you, you weren't thinking, man, all of these people that I run into today, they're somebody for whom my Savior died. Like you didn't think about that today because you weren't thinking about them from a spiritual context. And that's okay. There's a, I'm not trying to like guilt you in this moment. I'm just saying we get into a mind of we live in the world and we think like the world does. And Paul is saying, hey, you can't think like the world does because there was a time when I was a hater of Christians and I thought like the world. And I just thought like the world did. But then I met Jesus and I I saw things differently when I met Jesus. That there's way more to this life than this world. And so we got to look at people as either, you know, they are a new creation in Christ or they are separated from God because of their sin, but they're desperately loved by him. That's the way we need to look at people. And so we said it a few weeks ago. We said that, that statement, um, and I'm, I'm trying to find it here. Oh, that everyone you see is someone for whom your Savior died. That everyone you see is someone for whom your Savior died. And see, the thing is, right now, you think you have all the time in the world. 
That you're a college student. That is perfectly normal. That is what college students think like. I thought like that as a college student. I can tell you stories how I thought like that all the time. I was like, I have all the time in the world, whether it was coming to class or whether it was sharing, sharing like good news with my friends. I thought I had plenty of time. But do you know that everyone's life is going to end? Everyone's life is going to end. It's just going to end. That's, I'm not trying to be you know, a bearer of bad news. It's reality. Apart from Jesus coming back, which would be amazing, Everyone's life is going to end. And so, but you're not thinking like that today. And we don't know how much time you have, but some of the, the best time for you to share the greatest news that you've ever heard is right now. And we think, oh, but it's really not right now. We should do that tomorrow. We should do that next week. No, right now is the best time that you can share the greatest news that has ever been shared with anyone else. And that greatest news is that Jesus came to make a way for you to be restored into your relationship with your heavenly Father. Let's go with verse 17. Here we go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So the old is this, that it's our priorities, our beliefs, our values of how we were thinking like the world. And sometimes they still rise up because sometimes we go, you know, our flesh like takes over and we start thinking like the world does. And it's like, whoa, I shouldn't be thinking like that because you are a new creation if you have put your faith in Christ. The new has come. What that is is that you're thinking spiritually now. That this life is way greater than just right here and now, that you are a citizen of heaven now. Isn't that really cool? Isn't that some good news? That our citizenship isn't of this world. We're not just United States citizens. We are citizens of heaven now when you put your faith in Christ, and that is the new, and that is a different perspective. And so Paul's saying, we got to know this, that therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. Let's keep going here. Um, Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So reconciled is this big word. It's an accounting word. And it means to like make equal, to put back together. But in this context, what Paul is saying is, is that reconciliation, reconciling is uh, restoring or reestablishing a relationship. That's what's going on in, in reconciliation, a reestablishing of a relationship. And the ministry of reconciliation is this. The ministry is simply just a service to people. That's what ministry is. It's just, a, a, it's, it's literally like waiting on a table. That's what, you know, it's, it's helping people. Ministry is just a service to people. But the ministry of reconciliation is helping people be reestablished into a relationship with their heavenly father. How cool is that? Let's keep going. Next verse. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, this is amazing. The message of reconciliation. Do you know what the message of reconciliation is? The message is that your sins don't count. How cool is that? Now, now your sins count, so don't misunderstand me and be like, hey, the preacher said the sins don't count. No, no, they count, okay? I I, want to be clear on that, okay? You're going to be like, come to the living room. They're talking about, you know, sins don't count. No, your sins count, okay? But Jesus paid for your sins. Jesus paid for your sins. He took the place. He took the payment for your sins. And so the message of reconciliation is reconnecting you into a relationship with your heavenly father because you got the righteousness of Jesus in you. And because of that, your sins don't count against you. 
That is some great news. You should be dancing a jig when we sing at the end of the night. I just want to say that because I'm not trying to hype you up, but although we got some great songs coming later tonight, but I'm just saying, okay, that's some really good news that your sins don't count against you. And um, the other thing here is that we are Christ ambassadors, okay? We are Christ ambassadors, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but I missed one thing about reconciliation I want to make sure that we get tonight, okay? Reconciliation is putting things back together, right? Okay? And uh, in so much the church today, we want to divide people. The church's reputation is about dividing people. We always want to tell people what we're against, okay? The church, unfortunately, you are inheriting a church that has that reputation. I think there's many churches out there trying to change that. We're trying to change that. The living room is trying to change that on college campuses, and that's really, really important. But we don't need to be about dividing people. We want to, be, we want to build relationships with people that we, make, we build bridges instead of divide, okay? And this is what you need to know about this, okay? Um, here we go. Our role is to build bridges of relationship strong enough to bear the weight of truth. When you're talking about the ministry of reconciliation, putting things back together, reestablishing a relationship with your heavenly father, our role is to build bridges of relationship strong enough to bear the weight of truth. Now, you need to know that, um, you know, the difference between the street preacher and the designated driver, okay? I think some of you are still like, I think I want to be the designated driver. And I'm just telling you, you've got to invest in people and be available to people, and you've got to be known by people. That's why we spent a couple weeks talking about credibility and respect. You cannot open your mouth and share the good news. You can try to do that, and and I would encourage you to do that because that would be okay because they would hear the good news. But the, the hope is that when you open your mouth to share the greatest news in the world, that your relationship is strong enough to bear the weight of truth. And that means that you can be in a relationship with someone that disagrees with you, but there's still going to be a friendship there. And they're like, okay, I don't know about what, what you just shared, but I, I trust you. I respect you. And our role, when we're talking about reconciliation, our role is to build bridges of relationship strong enough to bear the weight of truth. Now, let's move on to verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassador, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So, you know this word, ambassador, and basically that's just a representative. That's what an ambassador is. You're just a representative. Okay, and, uh, but you're a representative, usually in a foreign land, you know, and you have authority. That's what's so great when you're, if you're an ambassador for the U.S. government, you're in another country, you've been sent there by the U.S. government, you've been sent there by the president, you've been appointed to go to another country, and you've got authority, and you usually have a message, okay? And, and, and the crazy thing is we have this amazing message and the cool thing about the message is that God has given us the authority to, to give it. The whole thing for us is that he's making his appeal through us. God uses us to make his appeal to the world. And the message that we're supposed to give is be reconciled to God. That's what he wants. He wants us to be reconciled to himself. That's the message. The message is, hey, your sins don't count against you. Be put back together in a relationship with God. And just to make it clear, in verse 21, he says it this way. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And basically, all that's saying is that Christ became sin for us. He took on the payment for sin for us so that we could be made right with God. That's what he's saying. We can be made right because of Christ. Now, um, a few weeks ago, uh, Clay Scroggins was here, and he... um, uh, got to speak. It was amazing. And Clay went off to um, school in Dallas for grad school. He went to Georgia Tech. He shared that with you guys. And then he went off to Dallas Theological Seminary. And when he got to seminary, he met a guy named Ross, okay? And Ross, um, before he went to seminary, you know, Clay said he had like five and a half years of undergrad. Well, Ross, when he got done with undergrad, he became a missionary to Ethiopia, Okay, he was in the city of Addis Ababa. Okay, I don't know if I said that right. I just said Addis Ababa because I think it's cool if I say it like that. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It's probably like Addi Ababa, but let's just all say Addis Ababa together because it's a fun word to say. So on the count of three, we're going to say Addis Ababa. Okay, one, two, three, Addis Ababa. Okay, I'm sure it's like Addi Ababa or something, and I got to pronounce the ba or a little stronger or something. But it's the capital city of Ethiopia, and the crazy thing about Ethiopia is um, in the 80s, they had, and they still have it today probably, just they had a huge famine and hunger problem. And so not only the U.S., but countries all over the world were pouring in money into Ethiopia. And because of that, Ethiopia and Addis Ababa has tons of embassies in the capital city. And the reason they have tons of embassies there, because they're sending ambassadors there to make sure the money is being spent correctly, okay? And Ross got sent over to Ethiopia to be a missionary. How cool is that, by the way, that you could go to Ethiopia and talk to people about Jesus? That's amazing. And so Ross got signed up. He's like, I'll go. He went. When he got there, he started seeing these little boys running around the streets of Addis Ababa. And these little boys were known as shoeshine boys, And the way they made a living was they shined people's shoes. That's how they made a living. And their hope was to be able to shine an ambassador's shoes because they knew this. They drove around in really nice cars. They pulled up to really big buildings. And when they got out, they had on nice shoes and nice suits and a nice suitcase. And they're like, man... Those are important people. If we, like, that's a huge payday if we get to shine their shoes, you know? That's what's going on there. They were so, like, man, ambassadors, they must be really, really, really important. Well, one day, Ross is teaching a Bible study to these shoeshine boys. He got, he become friends with them, and he's teaching them this actual passage. And it's amazing. And he starts reading these verses to them, and he starts telling them that they could be Christ ambassadors. And as he began to share those words, tears began to flow down their faces because they could not believe that the creator of the universe would allow them to be his representative here on this earth. They knew in that moment that being Christ's representative and sharing the greatest message that we could ever share with someone was a privilege. And they got it. How about you? How about you tonight? Do you see it as a privilege? 
Do you think it's amazing that you are a new creation and that you could represent Christ in this world, on your campus, in this incredible city? What inspires you? What motivates you to open your mouth and share the good news? Well, to figure that out, I want us to back up to some verses here. And uh, here it is. Uh, in, in verses 14 and 15, it kicked off this whole passage. We skipped them. We're coming back to them because they're really, really important. It says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And raised again. So Christ's love, it compels us. It moves us. And the reason it moves us is that we're convinced. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. That he paid for our sins. Not only did he pay for our sins, but he rose from the the grave, which that means he defeated the, the power of sin and death, which is really great news. Death was arrested in that moment. Amazing. But are you moved by that tonight? Are you motivated by that? Are you motivated by the love of Christ that he gave his life for you? Because our motive, our, our love for God that we would understand his love should move us to action. And the action that should move us to is this. Here's the bottom line for tonight. Christ's love compels us to share how we are convinced to live for him. Christ's love compels us to share how we are convinced to live for him. So let me explain this, because this isn't like an Instagram bottom line that you're going to go and be like, hey, the living room is awesome, and it said Christ's love compels us to share how we are convinced to live for him. That would confuse people. Please don't put that on Instagram tonight. just want to say that. But I want to explain it to you. What are you convinced of? Like, do you really believe that Jesus died for you? Do you really believe that he rose from the dead? Do you really believe that he paid for your sin? Because if you really believe that, if you're convinced of that, then I believe that we can share that news with the people in this city and the people on your campus, and you can do that now. But you're like, but that's weird. That's awkward. That's hard. Yeah, I understand that. But here's what you need to hear tonight. And the way that you can be effective at sharing this great news. And effective evangelism happens this way. It's when your, your story, when you can communicate your story, and where it, your story cro- intersects with the cross of Christ. Effective evangelism, I'm going to say it again is when you can communicate your story where it intersects with the cross of Christ. And so what do I mean by that? Well, for me, it was when I was 16. And I grew up in church. And I thought I knew God. I didn't know about really what sin did to me. I didn't know that sin separated. I knew sin was bad. I felt guilty about it for sure. But it was explained to me in a way that I'd never understood it before. And so when I was 16 years old, I put my faith in Jesus. And my life intersected with the cross of Christ for the first time because 
I understood that Jesus paid for my sin and that my debt was paid for. And I can share that with my friends. I can tell them why I believe what I believe. I can tell them about the Holy Spirit who is in me, who is a deposit guaranteeing my inheritance that I know Like this is, I don't love it when I sin. I just want to say that, but I love it when the Holy Spirit convicts me because it makes me feel alive. It makes me know that all of this is real. And you can share that with your friends. And can I just tell you something, students, tonight? People will reject God and Christianity all the time, but they will be intrigued by your story. They will be fascinated And they'll want to hear more. I'm telling you, you start sharing your story with people and people are going to, can you tell me more about that? Like, like, how did you know? Like, how did you believe? Like, like what moves you to like actually take that step of faith? And you start talking about that with people and they're going to start asking questions. And as you share that with them, because you're sharing the greatest news that's ever been told. They're going to feel your love for them. And they're going to want to know more. And it might not happen in that moment. It might not happen in the next few weeks. But over time, I promise you, their heart will soften. And they might have more questions. If you continue to be faithful and just sharing the truth about Jesus. Listen, we need to move away from the designated driver And we need to start opening our mouths to share the greatest news that could ever be shared on our campus. I believe that this city has greater things in store for it. I really do. I'm not just saying that because I'm supposed to say that. I believe there's greater days ahead for the city of Atlanta. And we're a part of a group of churches here at this church that we're planning all over the city because we believe in the city and we believe in the in the hope of Jesus for the people of this city. And I want you to be a part of sharing the hope of Jesus on your campus, at Georgia Tech, at Georgia State, at Art Institute, SCAD, Perimeter, Emory, all over the city that people would come to know the love of Jesus Christ. And you can be his ambassador. And he wants every single one of you to represent him. And maybe you're here tonight and you are like, man, that guy's crazy up there. But all through the night, you've been feeling a tug at your heart. And I'm just telling you, that is God. That is God wanting a relationship with you. And all you have to do is believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God and that he paid for your sin. And so maybe tonight would be the night you put your faith in Jesus. For others of you, I just ask that you would represent him well in your time on your campus that's left here. And that you would represent him well in your time that's left in this city and on this earth. Because he wants you to be his ambassador. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, 
I thank you so much for these students. And I thank you so much for their lives and the way you have ordained their steps. You have brought them to this city and you have placed them exactly where they are for a purpose, God. And God, many of them don't know what you want to do with their lives and they really want to know that. And I just pray that you would comfort them with peace right now and that they would hear you say to them, I just want you to represent me right now where you are and that all the other details will come along the way. But just represent me where you are right now. And God, I pray that we would share the greatest message of Jesus Christ, crucified on the cross for our sin and risen from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death, that we would share that in this city so that this city could be greater because of you and because of your fame and because of Jesus being known to all the people in this city. So would you make that happen, God? In Jesus' name, amen.